Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Duncan Ferguson, who has an extensive background in both corporate human resources and organizational and leadership consulting. He is a senior consultant at Vantage Leadership Consulting, where he provides leadership development coaching, career advice, and thought leadership to an array of clients and colleagues. In today's episode, we talk about the book he co-authored entitled Best Boss, The Impact of Extraordinary Leaders. This book unlocks the powerful secrets of best boss leaderships by providing a systematic approach for leading the best boss way. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you, James, very much. I'm delighted to be here. I am looking forward to this. Unfortunately, your co-authors, Tony Pristo and John Furcon, were not able to be part of this interview, but I know that you will showcase the book really well. So sorry they weren't here, but I can't wait to learn more about this book. Cool. So Best Boss, we all have... We can all think of that. And I, I really like the pitch when, you're, when your publicist sent it to me because I was reading it and I automatically thought of one boss. And then as I became older in my career, more de- developed, then I thought of a different boss and then a different boss. And so I was able to kind of think that through of what I needed. And so I, I can't wait to hear the systematic approach of, of how you help people recognize how to be their own best boss when it comes to their leadership roles, but also to really cultivate that in organizational in organization overall. You know, that's one of the, one of the many interesting things that we found. We just kind of started diving into this topic was when you asked somebody, have you ever had a best boss? Uh, immediately, about 85% of the people anecdotally will tell you, absolutely. And then as soon as you ask that question, mm-hmm. they have got to tell you, let me tell you about this special person <laughs> in my life. That's funny. <laughs> Some people, maybe about 10% have had more than one, per- one, one best boss. And I would say 10 to 15% have just never had a best boss. And then they get really 
<laughs> they get really? really sad looking on their face. I have one friend who a really, <laughs> really close friend of mine. He said, he, to this day, this question perplexes him. He said, I've never had a best boss. And all I can think about is uh, how that has a compound effect. Because so many times our best bosses are early in our careers. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. if you have somebody like that on your side and helps you discover who you are and all that kind of good stuff, if you don't have that early in your life, you, you don't get exposure to your potential as early as you could have been and you don't use yeah. it as much. And anyway, my poor friend, he's he's still bummed out about it. That question. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, it also makes me think, though. And you're the expert in this, and you, you and your and your co-authors. But it also makes me think if we have this paradigm of what best boss means, that maybe he did have a best boss. I mean, I don't know this person, but maybe he did have a best boss. But his perception of what best boss means may have been greater than what a best boss really was for him. But just a thought. I don't know. I could be wrong. No, it could be. It's, it's sometimes it's definitional. Uh, we saw, and we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. We saw certain kind of leadership elements, themes, behaviors, and stuff that were consistent across everybody's best boss experience. But in, in, in specific, when I when we would ask the question, we we said, you know, we don't want you to tell us about your nicest boss or your friendliest boss, or your easiest boss at work. Uh, I like okay. We just want you to tell you about if you had a best boss. If you have, here's six questions we'd like you to answer. And it was from that that we discovered what kind of the best boss leadership secrets. Interesting. I really like how you differentiate that because you're right. People who, you know, some bosses who don't have boundaries, like, oh yeah, they're great. They're the best, but it doesn't mean they were effective for us as as a boss. Before we jump into that though, I'm I'm curious, what even happened between the three of you to say, we need to write this book. What what happened to say that you really wanted to conceptualize this and quantify this to say, this is something that we want to study? You know, this started... All three of us are on different tracks before we came together to write the book and do the study, actually. Mm-hmm. For me personally, it, it happened over lunch just a few years ago. I was having lunch with a really good friend of mine. And we were talking about all kinds of stuff, family and sports and stuff like that. And at some point I said, so tell me, how's your job going? He had started a new job within the past year and working at kind of a rough company to work for, actually. And I was just curious, how, how's the job going? And he surprised me. He said, you know, this is the best job I've ever had in my life. Like, you don't hear that very often, right? I mean, people say, yeah, it's okay. It's good. Everything's fine. Yeah. But but he, he said it with real energy and emotion. So I said, tell me more. And he went on to describe this amazing individual that he works for. And uh, and you could just see him light up, right? You just the, He just lit up when he talked about it. He became very animated. And then when he concluded, he said, you know, the only problem I have now with this is that I don't think I'll be able to work for anybody else ever again because this experience has been so Mm. amazing and frankly it was that statement that stuck with me and stuck with my co-authors when we started talking about it I said why is that the case why with so many people is having a best boss the exception in your life as opposed to the rule and it was that was really the catalyst to say all right let's do a study Let's find out more. And once we found out more, we said, we've got to share this because every time we tell people about it, they get really interested. Yeah, definitely so. I I can definitely agree with that. That galvanized kind of the idea of the best boss topic, but then it it led towards the book for sure. With everything that was was written, is there... You know, because I just want to dive right into it. Was there what was a what was the major contributing factor of what most people said? This is why the person, the boss, was excellent or best, the best boss. You know, there there were a couple elements to it. At, at throughout, so we 
lot of some of it was done verbally, and a lot of the interviews were done online, where we had asked these six questions. Mm -hmm. And as we started to unpack the questions, the, uh, the the first thing that became evident was that there was a set of characteristics that that their bosses had, uh, something that's just part mm -hmm. of them. Some of the, sometimes they were very competent. Sometimes they were fun. Sometimes they were really intelligent. In every case, respect and integrity was part of the characteristic that the best boss had. Um, and then once we started diving into that a little bit more, we started to see real patterns and themes around leadership dimensions and how how people actually led. And then specifically, we started to see some very, very pointed behaviors that were tied to these dimensions that, that again, were patterns that just kind of came to us. And some of the things we learned mm -hmm. just in general about some a leadership competency, like activating somebody's potential. I know we'll probably talk about the individual ones here in a second. Uh, nothing was surprising about what we found with these leadership dimensions uh, about feedback and development and all that kind of good stuff. What was really amazing was that there was this kind of integrated system where these things all work together intuitively for somebody's best boss, that they do all these things at the same time mm -hmm. because they understand how they play off of each other and to bring out the best in somebody. Sure. So they either do it intuitively or they've obviously maybe even studied this before, but that that's great. Can we walk me through those five dimensions? Absolutely. Uh, the first one is uh, what we call leading from a higher purpose. And if you think about uh, okay. a popular topic these days is values-based leadership. But in our definition, leading from a higher purpose is that the individual leader, the boss, the manager, the supervisor, whatever you want to call them, they, um, they make the interests and needs of the individual working for them if not more important than their own interests or the organization's interests, at, at the very least on balance. So mm -hmm. they, they are paying attention to this person. Their needs and interests be, are front and center in how that person leads them. I'm curious about that. So if someone, my, my needs, my interests, so that would be what? Um, so let's say I, I talk, I like to talk. I, <laughs> so as someone who would yeah. be my boss, what would, that, what would that look like for my specific aspects? Because each, each of my colleagues or coworkers are going to have slightly different versions of that. So how do you really capitalize yeah. on one's interests in that respect? Well, I, th I think needs is probably a better word than interest. And it comes down to when you think about the center of the best boss experience, it's, it's really about activating somebody's potential and bringing out the best in them and helping right. them see it. So if you think about putting the individual's needs ahead of maybe the, the boss's needs or the organization's needs, that's what it, what it comes down to. And I would say it just it, it, it's a lot tied to development. So think about somebody who's working for you that's new, has never really managed a big project before. And, and so you're the boss and you could just do that project yourself and you know that you won't get any headaches about it because you can do it well. But you know to be able to activate somebody's potential and help them learn and grow that you're gonna have to put the needs of that person ahead of your own needs or maybe the team's needs because that person needs to be able to learn how to do that and develop. And it comes at a risk because that person might not do it as well as you would do it and it could cause some trouble. Mm -hmm. And I could give you a couple of examples about that, that from my personal life uh, that are, well, they're funny now, they weren't so funny at the time. Um, <laughs> That's right. That, it, hopefully that gives you an ex, like an idea that yeah, it, it's, it does. Yeah. And, and it makes me think of my own, so, so lifeology with my staff, it's, it's funny because, and I have wonderful staff, so that are listening, fantastic. But for me, it's also important because as, as my brand gets bigger and bigger, I have to let things go. So kind of talking about what you say. So I have to think about when I offload what some of my responsibilities are to my staff, then all of a sudden I have to be mindful that I get to teach them 
And it may not be the same process, but as long as the overall aspect is executed the way it needs to be executed, you know, it's okay for me to do so. But it is, I've learned for myself as, as a leader in different roles, but specifically now, since this is, I created this thing, that it's, it's important for me to also learn how to do that and to be, te- or to be, I guess, um, to be able to lead in a way that allows them to really capitalize what you're saying on what they're, on how they can do it in the most effective way in their version of, of their, of their talents. It's at the core of teaching and mentoring, right? Of somebody else mm-hmm. and trying to help them bring them along. Now you can't do that in every situation and every facet because you still got to do stuff. So that's a, that's a good example of individual needs, but, but really you can think about personal needs, think about work, family balance and mm-hmm. the needs that people oh, have okay. that might come, that might come at, might be at odds with what the boss needs or with what the team needs or what the organization needs. And you have to find that balance too. Again, not in every case, not in every situation, but mm-hmm. but, you, but it, it becomes one of the centerpieces of your relationship with that person, as opposed to in a lot of situations where it doesn't really matter what your needs are. We are we have to put the organization's needs first. I, I think you're seeing yeah. that right now with the pandemic and people coming back to work. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of tension between people ready for a shift and ready to do something different. Some organizations see that. Others are really struggling with it. What kind of mandate are you going to make to bring people back into the organization? And the individual supervisor, leader, boss are right in the middle of that and how to, how to try to manage oh, that. That's a good point. And I really appreciate you, you looking at one's personal needs as well. I was thinking more from a systemic standpoint of the organization, but yeah, yeah. perfect. Thank you for clarifying that. That's, that's incredibly important. Sure. What's the second dimension? The second dimension is our, it's called activating potential. And okay. that's a little bit, a little bit bigger than just developing somebody, but it's it's really premised on the fact that what a, a great boss does is they see the potential that everybody has, mm-hmm. and then they make it their mission in life to help you see it and then help you realize it. We we heard so many stories from people about their. This was the the, the number one element that we saw from our from our analysis of our study, and we heard so many people talk about their best boss and how they. They, saw, they helped them see their potential that they either didn't see or were afraid to look at. And then they wow. pushed them out of their comfort zone to do X, Y, or Z so that they could start to learn and grow and develop, even though it was really uncomfortable. And it was, it was there were some very powerful stories about how people were pushed out of their comfort zone. Again, going back to earlier and thinking about the early days of your career, and somebody does that for you, again, at the, the, the initial stages of your career, and now you become competent around a certain piece of skill set or competency that's part of your potential and now you can do it and do it greater and do it greater and do it greater so uh, it was uh, very energizing to hear people talk about their best boss and and helping them realize that and a lot of them admitted that they were scared to have their best boss push them out of their comfort zone because they weren't sure they could do it but their boss told them i'm sure you can do it i'm also curious if in that moment though did they did they think the person was their best boss when they're being pushed out? So I'm sure that some of this is is situational, but then it's also with perspective, rec- the recognition that this person was my, my best boss. Yeah, I don't think they realized it in the moment. I think people were probably mm-hmm. too scared. Yeah. <laughs> it's not until <laughs> years later, two years later, when you sit back and think about who was this special person. And, and we saw that when we, when we, when we sent out the survey. Yeah. And, and and then ask a lot of people, I said, tell us about your best boss. And we had so many people reflecting on this special person in their life, looking back and what a difference they had made. And they thought, 
hmm, yeah, that person really was my best boss because look what they did for me. And in more than one instance, people reached out to their best boss and told them years later what a special person they mm. were and uh, how important they were to their life. That's amazing. Wow. That's, that's yeah, really, that's really cool. neat. And then the great thing is they get to pay it forward and they become the new special boss, you know, the, you know, the, the perfect boss. And then from there, it's, like I said, it creates a legacy as well, which is really neat. I like that. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're kind of plucking some things from what we learned. One of the <laughs> outcomes of having best bosses is a, there's a legacy effect. Mm. And so, uh, so now it like great bosses beget great bosses. In fact, uh, uh, we did a video with an extraordinary uh, leader, uh, CEO of Children's Hospital in Milwaukee mm. or Wisconsin. Wow. And we interviewed her and she told us about her best boss. And then we interviewed her, three of her senior leaders on her executive team. And when you hear them talk about her, when you hear her talk about her best boss, it was this legacy effect that goes over like three generations wow. of, of great, great leadership. And that's really part of the objective of sharing what we learned from the best boss study and writing the book is, is having more of a, a legacy impact of great leadership. Yeah. Wow, that is that is amazing. Special, it's really special. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, and and I'm thinking, I'm like, I wonder if I was someone's best boss. I mean, it doesn't matter. But the point is, it's good we can all ask that because moving forward, reading your book and using the, the system that you have allows people to become the best boss. So if even if you've never been that for someone else, you still can be in whatever role you're in. To the great. No, just to, just to mention one thing when you when you ask that question, Jay, I wonder I wonder how I how I rate. <laughs> uh, one of my colleagues at Vantage and I, a little while back, did a presentation to a group of 90 uh, mid-level leaders who were, uh, you know, who were learning how to be better leaders. Uh -huh. And we did a little video on best bosses. And uh, my colleague, before we showed the video, he said, now we've interviewed 15 people across the organization and asked them about their best boss, and they're going to give us the response. What you need to do while you're thinking about this is, uh, like, what if one of those people worked for you, what do you think they're thinking? Like basically oh, asking crap. people, <laughs> yeah. how, are, how are you doing when you're reading one of these extraordinary yeah. people who were interviewed? Yeah. And I'll tell you, the room got really quiet. You could have heard a pin I drop. I bet. I bet. And honestly, what I do, what I do with people, I, I, when I work with leaders and do coaching and stuff like that, I ask them the question, tell me about your best boss and what would the people who work for you, what would they say about you? versus what mm -hmm. you think about your best boss. And it gets a pretty good conversation going. Yeah, it really does. Well, I like that because it really creates, um, it really it creates accountability as well because you know we're all good at what we do, but we all have blind spots too. So the recognition of, I may think I'm presenting the way I, that's effective, but if it's not, if we're not using one of these five dimensions or all five dimensions, then it's probably not as effective as I think it is. Yeah, that's been our MO all along. We've never thought by mm -hmm. writing a book, we're going to make everybody, everybody's best boss. That's, sure. that's just not, that's not realistic. Our, our goal is to say, hey, we learned a lot of stuff. And no matter what, if you're going to be supervising people, you should try to be your best for each one of them. And here's some things mm -hmm. to think about. Yeah. Yeah. We only have a few more minutes, but I want, so we weren't able to get to all five dimensions. So I definitely want people to purchase yeah. the book. Once again, Best Boss, The Impact of Extraordinary Leaders. What would be, what, what is something today that leaders can, can really focus on to, to help them start to become the best boss. I mean, obviously purchase the book, but today as you're as listening or watching <laughs> yeah. this, what would, be, what, what would be your advice to them? Well, I, I, to me, if, if you're going to be a leader of any sorts, um, the first thing that you need to be have part of your DNA is that you always want to grow and learn and become better. It, it never stops. It's like, it's like an athlete who is mm -hmm. uh, 
a baseball player who's who's a great player, but no matter what, you're always adjusting. You're always trying to get an edge. You're always trying to learn how to become a better baseball player. You never just you're never just uh, like going to be okay. Maybe Mike Trout, yeah. but nobody else. I mean, you're just going to be <laughs> always kind of learning. And leadership leaders are the same way. That if you're going to be a leader and a great leader, you always have to be looking and learning. And and that starts by asking yourself, how do I look today? And I mm-hmm. I call it uh, what's your what's your current state of your leadership brand what does that look like and in our work line of work we do a lot of things like 360 feedback tools where we get feedback from Mm -hmm. reports and peers and stuff but it's all about let's paint a picture of what you look like as a leader today and then start to think about so where do you want to be what do you want that leadership style to look like what do you want your future leadership style and brand to look like not only for the organization you're working for but for yourself as an individual Mm -hmm. And then that's where the growth and development comes as you continue to try to massage your leadership style and brand to become the kind of leader that you want to be. Does that answer your question? Yeah, of course. And I really like the fact that you're taking accountability and, and doing an inventory of today. How am I today? How am I showing up today? Because without that, we don't have a baseline. And so the recognition of what the baseline is allows you to say, well, then yes. how do I grow from here? But I do agree yep. with you 100% that many leaders become stagnant because in their leadership role, if let's say if they're in the C-suite or, uh, or you know, like me, they're, they're the, um, the CEO of, of something they've created, that if we don't recognize that we do need to grow, then unfortunately the, the, the company is only going to grow as, as great as a leader's development is in their own personal life. So I think that is important that yes. sometimes as leaders, we forget that we do need to grow because without that, unfortunately, we're not going to, our, our company isn't going to be able to be as viable or as current or as, um, won't have the longevity that we're looking for. Yeah, I think you said it right. It's really easy to, to, to kind of stagnate. And uh, it's true of any anything and any skill, you always got to keep working on it. But especially if you're a leader, it's not easy to be a leader. I've been mm-hmm. two or three times in my life, I've had large groups of people leading. And it's a challenge, not only broadly, but also realizing you have several individuals that are all different. And how do I how do I lead them the way they need to be led so that they can realize that their their best potential? And then also I have a day job as a leader that I got to get done too. There's a lot on, on your plate if you're leading people sure for is. sure. Yeah. And you know, you made me think of something as well. And once again, well, only a few more minutes, but the whole thing, let's say you have so many diverse on your team. They're so diverse, different needs, different potentials, different this or that. What is a good way, a quick way that a leader can be mindful of that to meet, to holistically meet those people's, the, the needs of, of the team? Yeah, it, well, it's, it is holistically. So it, it is all about building a team and a collaboration and making sure that everybody is clear on the roles and people in the team and, and mm. uh, what the, the objective of the team is and all that kind of good stuff. And then individually, one of the things we do in the book is we share behaviors attached to each one of the five leadership dimensions. And uh, you, you, can, you, can t- you, can take, you can take a look at one of the dimensions and 10 leadership behavior statements. And you can reflect on, I wonder how well I'm doing with the team against this leadership behaviors, behavior mm-hmm. or individually. I'll give you one quick example. It's around providing feedback and recognition is part of feedback. It's constructive criticism and, and, and then recognition. And one thing we've learned is that, you know, some people like public recognition and other people don't want it at all. So individual, you want to make sure that you're giving recognition to everybody in the team, the team as a whole, and again, the individuals. But but within the team, there are some people that don't want to have a big to-do made about them in in front of a big meeting, and other people thrive on it. So that's part of the challenge of being a leader is to just reflect on all the individuals that work for you and the different personalities and their different needs. 
Yeah, that, that's a, actually a really good point. Especially if, if some people are more introverted, they don't like that. People who are extroverted may you know, have a different desire for that. But I, I think the other key part that you said is if you're building a team, you have the ability to build a team, then you're building it. You're creating a cohesive group of people who can work in tandem and work in concert rather to be able to move the company or move the mission of the, of the organization to, to the next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Perfect. Well, unfortunately, our time is up, Duncan Ferguson. If my listeners want to find out more information about you, to purchase this book, Best Boss, The Impact of Extraordinary Leaders, where will they find all this information online? Well, you can go to Amazon and, and pick up the book on Amazon. It's also available at our publisher's website, uh, and that is the Business Expert Press, BEP. You can purchase the book there. And for right. more information on, on the book or the Best Boss experience, you can go to the Vantage uh, leadership consulting website where there's a whole page dedicated to the best boss experience. That's wonderful. My listeners also know that if they cannot find this information in any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you with Duncan and also this book. Thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. Thank you, James. I really enjoyed it. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.